0: three two one 2, 1, from down in the dirty bird. Oh my goodness gracious! The only mustard buzzard podcast on the planet. This is Buzzardry. Here are your hosts, Ben Milam and Patrick McGee. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Buzzardry. It is very good to be back with you, as always. It is Monday night, April 18th, at the time of this recording. My name is Ben Milam, and I'm here with my partner, Patrick McGee. Pat, how you doing? Glad to be on
1: after another uh, undefeated week.
0: That's right, big week, and we'll break it all down. Before we get started, as always, this episode is brought to you by BigGoldNation.com, the premier inside source. For all things Southern Miss Athletics, go check it out, BigGoldNation.com. Pat, as you said, 4-0 on the week, and felt like four trap games as we talked about last week, and you you kind of squeak through it a little bit. You don't play your best baseball, but uh, you get four wins, and that is what matters. It's the only thing that matters. And uh, you let it off with the midweek game against Southeastern Louisiana, who we had talked about has had some big wins. They're capable of beating good baseball teams. We knew they are going to be scrappy. It was kind of a muggy, kind of a weird weather, yeah. sluggish night at the Pete. Uh, but you, you squeaked it out. Yeah, you did. You
1: went 3-2. to two. Like you said, it was – I mean, it was <laughs> – I mean, we'll get into that uh, last play or the oh, yeah. double steal at the end. But, I mean, if you had gone to extra innings, it probably would have been delayed. And I don't know if oh, yeah. they would have finished it or if they would have called a tie or what, but yeah, you went three to two. And so Sergeant got you on the board in the fourth, uh, got one nothing. Montenegro gave Montenegro out a sack fly. Uh, got two nothing there in the fourth. Uh and then Southeastern they get an RBI from uh Champ Artigues, brother of uh Casey Artigues uh, on the uh, Golden Eagle roster. I think that's so this is the second time that we've played a team that has a brother on the um on the roster, which I can't remember that ever happening once and it's happened twice. Um, because, uh, yeah, the, 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 say? the St. Landon Harper's brother plays in North Alabama. Um, so yeah, it was kind of, uh, oddity there, but yeah. then Sergeant, uh, hits another home run, a huge moonshot. You know, I think they said it went 450 or 440 feet, uh, to go up three to one in the six. And then the ninth inning is when it got, um, uh, interesting. Yep. So yeah, Champ Artigues uh, had another RBI, um, double, uh, to make it three to two. And then it was, um, it was first and third. One out for um Southeastern. They try the double steal. They throw it down a second. And then, I guess, McGillis, he cuts it off and throws home. Uh, And they call the guy at the uh, got the plate out. You know, the replay showed that he was pretty clearly safe. Oh, yeah. No replay. Um, But, yeah, they called him out. And then, at that point, it was an 0-2 uh, count on the batter. Or, I don't know if it was 0-2, but there was two strikes on the batter. Yep. And then next pitch, uh, Ramsey gets a strikeout, and you win three to two. So it felt a little bit dirty, um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, you win, and uh, that's kind of all that matters, like you said.
0: It is, and I think it was Jason Bailey who said this: that uh, you know you'll you'll take getting one call go your way in yeah. a big moment like that every decade because it feels like we've been hosed so many times. So yeah, it's it's uh it does feel a little dirty, uh, but you know you'll you'll take it and. You know they'll get over it, I guess, and we'll play. We'll see them again. So we'll see if uh, karma pays off for for the Lions. But you get a big win in the midweek, and then you roll into the weekend against FIU's really been struggling. You go a long way down to Miami, and we've talked about a couple of times how you know that that series has has really uh, hurt you in years past, and it's been really really hard to win down there. But you you go down and you still don't play your best baseball. You kind of set the tone on Friday, a little sluggish uh, in a lot of respects, but uh, we'll run through all three of these games, and all of them are kind of similar outside of, you pull away on Saturday, but you get three wins, Pat.
1: Yeah, so um, first game on Thursday night, you win five to three, and Another good outing for Hall. He went seven and third. Uh gave up three runs. Uh two of those were earned. Gave up four hits though. Didn't walk anybody at nine Ks, but yeah, Peito got you on the board in the third sack fly, F I FIU tied it uh to make it one to one um in the bottom of the third. Uh and then Peito and uh Ewing get RBS singles there in the fifth. He had the bases loaded uh, at a point there to make it three to one. Um and then yeah, you get Dickerson he gets an RBS single, Ewing gets a fly, so you get five to one. Uh, at the stretch, so you look like you're in control. FIU makes it a little bit interesting. They put up a run in the seventh, put up another run in the eighth, make a 5-3. Oh, but you hold on. Landon Harper gets the last five outs. He only gave him one hit, struck out two. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it certainly wasn't a, um overpowering performance, but kind of, you know, methodical. We've talked about some of yeah. these wins have been methodical. Sure. That was kind of the way. You got runs when you need them. Uh, you pitched it well enough, uh, and you get that Thursday night win. And then on um, Friday night, it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, oh, yeah, so, yeah. um. Oh yeah, I guess you said pulled away on Saturday, that's right <laughs> cuz that's usually the game too, uh, obviously, but yes, yeah, so then uh Saturday, um you win 12 to 4 and it was close for most of the game, but yeah, Ewing uh scores on a wild pitch early, you got one nothing, then FIU tied it on the second with the RBI ground out 1 to 1, and um yeah, Sargent hits a sack fly, Montenegro reaches on an error, uh, you got 3 to 1 there. Uh, then FIU, they converted in the third inning. They converted a double steal that uh, Southeastern, uh, they couldn't, uh, they converted it, but it, it was called out. And uh, anyways, FIU was able to convert it and uh, make it three to two. And then, uh, so Joe Girardi's son plays for FIU. I didn't realize that mm-hmm. uh, until, but it was, he had a two RBI single uh, there in the third to put FIU up uh, four to three after three. And then uh, Paito hits a sack fly, tied up in the fifth. Um, and then in the seventh, you start to open it up. Peto gets an RBI single. Dickerson has a RBI double. Uh, Ewing has a two-RBI single. So then you go up 8-4. Well, after seven, then Peto hits an RBI double. Uh, there in the eighth to go up 9-4. And then McGillis kind of puts the exclamation on it. Uh, they're in the ninth three-run home run. Uh, and you went 12-4. Uh, Riggins, he probably didn't have his best up. It pitched well enough. Uh, went six innings. Gave up seven hits, four-run runs. Um, two walks, eight Ks. Um, and he kind of battled through, you know, yeah, kind of first couple of innings he got in some trouble, but by, by the fourth, fifth, and sixth innings, started to settle in and, and pitch a lot better than he did early on. But, uh, Rhodes was big out of the bullpen again, goes three innings, only gave up three base runners, or only allowed three base runners. Uh, the two of those were hits, and one was on a walk, struck out four. Um, and then, yeah, so you went to a four, and then on a, or Saturday, um, you win six to four in twelve innings, and this was, uh, you know, by far kind of the most interesting game of the three. So FIU goes up two to nothing uh, after one. Uh, one of those on a home run off Waldrop. and then in the top of the third, Ewing hits an RBI triple. Then he uh, Sargent hits an RBI single to make it two to two. And then FIU scores two in the third off a of Waldrop air and then an RBI single. So yeah, they're up four to two after three. And then Peito cuts it to one, hits a home run there in the fifth to make it four to three. Dickerson hits an RBI single make it four to four in the seventh. And then yeah, you got into some trouble. Harper, uh, he inherited, I guess, men on first and second, nobody out, and I uh, was able to get out of it. Um I think that was either in the seventh or the eighth. Um and then Ramsey got into that um and that jam in the ninth, got out of it. And yeah. that, that was the oh yeah, so that was the end. Yeah. That's okay. I was trying to remember that was the inning. So it was um whatever bases were loaded. Um three to that was a three-one count. And um it, looked at first it looked like I mean in real time it looked like a ball and that it was a delayed strike call, but you kinda of yeah. look back and it was it
0: was borderline. It
1: was borderline yeah. and it didn't look like that it was that delayed at all. Uh and anyways the guy um base run on the third was walking in like it was a winning run, didn't realize it was a strike and then uh Blake Johnson uh, throws him out and a run down and then uh you get yeah, you get it out after that and then you get out of the jam. Uh so that was kind of the defining uh play of uh, of the game um and made a couple uh got a little bit of viral on uh, on twitter but yeah that was um yeah kind of the swing of the game right there and then oh yeah yeah both teams trade zeros in the 10th and the 11th and then ewing uh got a breaking ball uh they kind of hung a breaking ball to him and he hit it out of the yard uh out to right field up six four um and yeah then you hold them in the um in the bottom of the twelfth, and we are six to four. So yeah, Waldrop was not. It was kind of reminiscent of his start against DBU. Yep. He just didn't really have the zone, and when he did, he was kind of trying to pound the zone. And when he or when he was missing, and then he tried to overcompensate a little bit, and they were hitting him hard. And but yeah, he walked four, uh, gave up four runs, um, two hits, two Ks. But then at uh, bullpen pitched really well. That was, I mean, the bullpen pitched about nine, or I guess it would have been uh, twelve minus two and two thirds. It'd be um, what is that? Eight and a third, um, or nine and a third, nine plus innings scoreless. Um, yeah. So Etheridge came in, uh, pitched two and a third Stewart, um, two and a third, or, um uh, sorry, two thirds of an inning. Uh, then Rogers came in, he pitched a third of an inning, struggled a little bit, walked some guys, but Harper was able to get it out of that. He uh, came in, uh, pitched two innings, only allowed one base runner. And then Ramsey came in and kind of gave you a performance similar to what he did that Sunday afternoon in Lafayette. Went four innings, um, only gave up two hits, one walk, and he struck out seven. So he was really, really sharp. Yep. And, uh, yeah, kept those FIU bats, um, you know, from doing anything. So, yeah, it was a gutsy another game. Like you said, you did not play really. I wouldn't say you played all that well except for that maybe that. The Friday game, game two, um, but you're able to win uh all four so it's kind of a sign of a good team they say when you don't play your best but you're still able to win all four so it was a kind of a good uh, gritty week of wins
0: yeah it was <laughs> and on that weekend I mean I tweeted it out there were there were so many different ways you could have lost uh, you can make the argument for all four games I think and maybe you know obviously that Friday game you you played a little better and and kind of pulled away at the end. But, I mean, there were spots in early in that game when FIU had chances and, and you were able to get out of trouble. And I think that's the biggest story all weekend really is the bullpen cleaning it up when they were in trouble and, and guys inheriting a lot of runners and, you know, Landon Harper, Garrett Ramsey, all of them, uh, Isaiah Rhodes in spots too. It really points to the strength of this team, I think, in and that's the pitching staff. And even when you don't, play your best baseball you are going to have a pitching staff that gives you a chance and when you get late in games and it's tight like it was in three of those four games you feel pretty good that you know like we talked about last week if one guy doesn't have it like even in the starting rotation if Waldrop doesn't have it on Sunday you have plenty to come behind him and give you a chance to win and I think you were tweeting too you know we've we've Talked several times about who is you know the defined closer on this staff, and you really had multiple guys kind of yeah. kind of make a bid to be that guy. And I think that's yeah, that's a, a testament to how good this bullpen is. Is you have multiple guys who have that kind of stuff who can really set down a lineup and put up zeros in really big spots and inherent runners in uh, tight situations. And then offensively, it, you you came through when you needed to. I mean, you really did and yes you you were you know quiet for the most part throughout the week but you you got enough obviously to get four wins and to put up numbers when you really really needed to I mean you went great swing on a three-two count and it's just a matter of coming through when you need to when you're playing ugly baseball which I think you did and uh really throughout the week so it's another uh, It's another look at how good this team can be. And, and it's also, you feel like you're not peak, you have not reached your potential. You're not peaking at the wrong time, per se. And, you know, that's, I don't know how much stock you can really put in that. But, yeah, you feel like your best baseball is, is ahead of you at this point after getting four wins in, in four spots where you really could have lost.
1: Yeah, it was. And then I guess getting um into the polls a little bit. Um so yeah, you're 5 in perfect games, 6 in D1, 6 in the coaches, 7 in Baseball America, number 2 in Robs rankings. Okay. Most, I was going to ask. Yeah, the yeah. most important of them all, so Right. Um yeah, I mean those are the highest rankings I think we've ever been um baseball. I think yeah. I guess, after Omaha you're 8 in some polls. I think perfect game we might have been 7 at one point in 2017. Um but yeah, it's just kind of almost surreal to see how
0: high yeah, it's a strange uh, feeling. <laughs> yeah, really. it's, it's
1: almost kind of scary. Yeah, the higher you get, the more nervous right. you get. But um, yeah, the program definitely getting a ton of recognition in the polls. So
0: they are, and you had a lot of people lose in front of you as well. Which, which also point. It's another example. I mean, there are a lot of. I think five top ten teams had, uh, or, you know, top ten teams as of last week had losing weeks, and most of them against not great competition. Uh, a, a lot of teams are going to stumble. I mean, it's a long, long season, and you're going to stumble against lesser competition unless you, you know, kind of have the guts to push through the, the weaker part of the schedule. And that's not to say we're not going to lose another game throughout the schedule. I think that would be pretty remarkable to win out. Um, but it, it, that points to how good this team is to win four games and not play your best baseball, as we have said. And, yeah, I think they have certainly earned that ranking.
1: Yeah, and then I think uh, maybe 15 and Massey, which was weird because we were number 12 heading into Sunday. And then for yeah. sure, reason we dropped three spots to 15, must have been some other teams must have done well. But, yeah, uh, computer rankings, you're high up there as well, though a little uh, below the um, the human polls. So,
0: Yes, and the postseason picture continues to shape up. Where are we at, Pat?
1: Yeah, so, we 13 in RPI, which you were 11 last week. So, you only dropped two spots. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you're 64 in strength of schedule, and that that, that has dropped uh, quite a bit from last week. So, last week, you were 20th in strength of schedule. And then, uh, in terms of non-conference strength of schedule, you're 50th. Uh, you're 37 last week. So, maybe some of the teams we played, I don't know Dallas Baptist, we'll get into that kind of later, but Dallas Baptist did lose two out of three, and I guess Ole Miss lost two out of three. So, um, Alabama, although those tend to say they did lose two out of three. So, maybe some of our... Our uh, non-conference opponents didn't have great weeks. But, yeah, so you're still – you're five and 5-5 five against top fifty, nine and 6 against top 100. But the thing I'm kind of looking at is your top – your quad 1, quad 2. A lot of teams are right on the bubble in between that quad 1, quad mm-hmm. 2 range. Yep. A lot of teams in that 40 to 60 range. So you have take at 41, South Island forty 49, and Tulane at 50, ULL at 52, and almost at 55. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to want those teams to finish in the top 50. Um, and a lot of them are kind of teetering on the edge of either or on – or, you know, either being top 50 or – Top 100 and those. That's, you know, something the committee looks at, your top 50 wins. Uh, so, that's kind of making me a little nervous just because it could really go either way for a lot of those teams. Um, but, yeah, it's something to keep an eye on with those uh, top 50 games. And then, uh, D1 didn't put out a um, 60 field of 64 last week. But Baseball America did. They had us as a uh, host, uh, the 13 overall seed. LSU is a 2. Virginia Tech is a 3. And UNO is a 4, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, I think would be a pretty tough draw, um, yep. honestly. So.
0: Yeah, and Virginia Tech is—I mean—they're top thirty in RPI, and they're kind of pushing for the two-speed, two seed yeah, conversation.
1: Top ten, I think they're right behind us in the poll, or D one this week, I believe. Yeah,
0: so that would uh, that would be a pretty typical Hattiesburg regional, right there. <laughs> LSU, Virginia Tech, and UNO too. That's no—that's yeah. no lazy four seed either. So it's starting to shape up, and, and obviously a lot of things have to fall into place. But uh, you know, it is not not to be cliche, but you you got to win, and the rest of uh, rest of it will take care of itself and you know if you if you do win like you you know you gave us the needs report it yeah, hasn't been updated uh, okay well yeah, well yeah we'll get we'll cover that whenever it does get updated but but like you said I mean in most scenarios if you continue the way that you are continuing and you can go back and listen to that um, postseason picture segment last week you are going to be in a really good spot to host regardless of what everybody else does around you if if things fall the way that we think they are going to fall
1: yeah well, i mean we did we did get a good question on that we'll we'll kind of cover right. it more in depth sure. of what you have to do but you, right now you are a um, you're a solid host team not quite a national seed but yeah um we'll get into that uh, later in the uh, in the podcast yep. today
0: well another big week you, uh, you can make the argument this week is just as difficult maybe with the the two midweeks and uh Rice coming to town it's great to be back home obviously but those two midweek games uh, are going to be tough you go on the road to Tulane and uh, you get UNO at home and so you finally get four straight uh, at home but it's a fi- <laughs> it is a five game week and those are always tough even with you know the pitching depth uh it's 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 really hard to win five games in a week in Tulane UNO 2 kind of scrappy midweek uh, opponents at Tulane you would hope will end up being a top 50 opponent in the end and it's hard to beat somebody twice and you could say that of UNO as well so uh, let's look at them at a glance pat
1: yeah so Tulane they are 24 12 and one they had a tie I believe against Villanova that is in there but um six and three in the AAC 50 RPI 71 Massey so they're kind of squarely on the bubble right now so this is a big game for them in terms of RPI they sure. won another, you know, Top fifty, top twenty five. I mean, yeah, type win on the resume. Um, so yeah, they just lost two out of three at uh, at Houston. Uh, but they're two big hitters, you know, Ethan Grupp, Luis Aviles, um, both over a thousand OPS, seven home runs. So, overall, um, eight twelve OPS, two seventy seven uh batting average. So pretty average offensive production, maybe a little above that. But uh, so their starter, they've started Chandler Robinson and he has started most of their midweek games. Um, but yeah yeah Robin said to start against us and he had started most of their midweek games but they're going Chandler Welch tomorrow he's a freshman right-hander uh, he went to Holy Cross uh, so maybe he knows Brady Faust uh, or maybe play for Andy Canizero too I guess yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah he's yeah, a 4.6 uh 1 ERA 146 whip uh 19 walks 22 Ks 27 plus innings pitch. he's going to be probably 88 to 90 last summer I saw he's 88 90 bumped 92 uh, so I mean, kind of average stats. This would indicate he has pretty average stuff at this point. He's a freshman arm, um, and he's a right-hander, so that's um, good to see because USM is better against right-handers than lefties, obviously. But uh, then USM's starting Ben Etheridge. Yep. Uh, we, he's making his, his first midweek start of the year. Um, obviously he was um, Friday guy to start the year, moved into middle relief, and um, you know, transitioning. I don't know if he's going to be midweek every week going forward, but you only have a couple more midweek games left. I mean, you only have, I guess five midweeks left, maybe. And um, so, yeah, he he's kind of your fourth starter, I feel like. And uh, so, yeah, there's a good chance for him to, um, you know, show what he's done since the first part of the year where he struggled a little bit. But, you know, I think going forward, you talk about like a conference tournament, he'd probably be your fourth starter. Let's sure. say you go yeah. 3-0. I think you would start at the championship game. Same thing if you get to a regional, if you get to a fourth game. You don't want to get to a fourth game. You want to go 3-0 at a regional. But if you do have to play that fourth game, Etheridge will probably be your starter. So this is kind of see what he does against a pretty good team, pretty good lineup. Um, at two Tulane, and then um, yep. uh, U and O nineteen. Uh, they're nineteen to fourteen, six and six in the Southland. They're one forty two in RPI, one twenty two Massey. Um, they were just swept at Southeastern. Southeastern is mad that uh they thought they got screwed, so yeah. they uh, they swept U and <laughs> or yeah, it swept U and O. But uh, yeah. I, all average offensive production, 791 OPS, 283 batting average. Haven't announced a starter yet, from what I can tell. So, I mean, yeah, we've already played UNO. That's As a team at home, you should be able to beat. Um, But they are capable of uh, sneaking up on you. Sure. Um, just like pretty much in every midweek game. Anybody's really capable of beating anybody in a midweek game. And then uh, get into Rice. And after this, I'm going um, – I'm going to recap or kind of go over rice and then I'm going to kind of go and talk about the right, cause this is going to be the last series we play against rice mm. for a while. So I'm going to do a trip down memory land. I'll let you jump in, talk about some of your, um, memories of rice, yeah. or I might, I might take a, or I might, um, I might run over their team and let you jump in and then I can, uh, whatever, take a break and then I can go into the history. But, um, so, Rice, they are 11-26, 4-11 in CUSA. So, this three-way tie for last, but you know, 199 RPI, um, 188 Massey. Uh, and their Friday guy's been Cooper Chandler. He's transferred from Pepperdine. He's a right-hander, 618 ERA, 165 whip. Uh, decent uh, walk to strikeout numbers, 20 walks, 54 Ks, 43 and two-thirds innings. Uh, He's going to be a low-90s guy. And then Alex DeLeon, he's the guy who's made some Saturday starts for him. Uh, Started Saturday at UTSA, got hit hard. um, He's another right-hander, 586 CRA, 161 whip, 11 walks, 28 Ks, and 35-plus innings. Uh, And then there's Sunday guy, um, Thomas Burbank. He was the guy that started yesterday. Um, He hasn't started every Sunday game for him, but most of them. Six eighty-two ERA, one eighty-six WHIP. I mean, he's a very, very much a pitchability, crafty lefty type. Eighty-three to eighty-six transfer from San Jacinto um, Community College, uh, in Texas, which is a JUCO powerhouse, um, in Texas. But I mean, he's got twenty-one walks, twenty-three Ks. Um, so yeah, certainly not overpowering stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, we've talked about lefties, um, crafty lefties giving us trouble at times. And then I uh, shot a really interesting guy in their bullpen. Um he and he finally gave up a couple runs. I think he got four runs and a two TSA, but he had been almost unhittable uh, before then Matthew Linsky. So he has a two sixteen ERA, a one oh two whip. I mean before yesterday he had a zero ERA, like a .7 whip. But he has seven walks, thirty eight K's and just sixteen plus innings and he struck out like over half of the batters he's faced. And it's really interesting. He basically only throws fastballs. Like 90% of the pitches he th- throws are going to be fastballs. It's so like a low 90s fastball, but it has a lot of vertical break on it or, or something, so guys can't really square it up. Or, uh, it's kind of weird, but I, I was reading an article. He pitched three innings of lot Tech, and he threw one breaking pitch the entire wow. <laughs> entire outing. And he went like three innings and struck out eight. And not, maybe only gave up like one or two runners if that. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, an interesting guy there in the bullpen for Rice. But uh, what are your thoughts on this series?
0: Yeah, it's – you know, I think when people talk about the trap series, uh, I think they typically look at those road series. But this is a – you know, it's a struggling Rice team, but one that's got some talent on it. And obviously, you know, we've talked about they they are really struggling. You're kind of, you know, completely restarting that roster in a lot of ways. But, I mean, you mentioned a few guys there that – are capable of of giving you some fits and i mean that's the thing about the rest of the schedule really where you you have really played the toughest part of your schedule i think uh i think objectively but at this point now that you are a pretty consensus top 10 team you're going to get everybody's best that's going to be true at home or away and i think you might you know it it's possible you could come in with overconfidence at home and you know not to be too meta about it but there are there are a lot of mental things that come into this and uh, you you know you've really dominated rice over the the recent years Uh, and so this is one you've got to be locked in to uh, just like the rest of these series and and just like the series last weekend away um, you know it's it would be easy to sleepwalk through this one and drop one uh, which would really hurt your rpi I mean every every game against a team like Rice and really throughout the schedule, maybe outside of Tulane and and Ole Miss and a few of those others here and there. And so you've you've really got to play good baseball all the way around. And you really one thing I'm looking for, I think, would be really encouraging to me is if the bats can get going with some consistency because that has that's really been lacking. And that's kind of the final piece I think to to really put it into uh into, into fifth gear uh, for this team and then and then I think you will feel really good as you start to kind of roll into the the final part of the conference schedule but yeah it's a it's a little sad that this is the final conference series with Rice honestly I mean you there have been some battles for yeah. a, a long time a little PTSD as well thrown in there um a lot of heartbreak but yeah it'd be nice to send him out with a sweep and uh yeah, I think that's a great idea. Let's kind of look back a little yeah, bit. Well,
1: just, yeah, just one more thing on this year's Rice team. So uh, I feel like like this is a series, like the past two weeks you swept, but, you know, I mean, we're so spoiled at this point, like we swept, but we didn't play, we didn't play our A <laughs> yeah, game. That's true, yeah. So this is a series where you would hope like two, at least two of the three, maybe even all three, are relatively stress-free wins where you kind of cruise. Yes. Uh, I mean, you should, because this is arguably the worst team in the conference. I mean, maybe in terms of weekend opponents, this might be the second worst team you play on the on the weekend outside of North Alabama. I mean, North Alabama would be number one on that, but Rice might be number two. As crazy as that is to say, so yep. you want to be able to, um, you know, beat them pretty badly. Um, you know, after these past two weeks where you, where you you've swept, but you haven't um you haven't exactly dominated again. I'm, you're getting picky here, but um,
0: well, I think that's I think that's fair because you if you are a top if you are a one of the best ten teams in the country, where you are expected to, to beat teams handily that are, you know, much lower competition, and that's true of Rice. Yeah, so uh, getting in, so I'm going to go through
1: every year, and I, I'm going off the cuff here a little bit, but I'm going to go through this as quickly as I can. So just as kind of a background. So Rice, they were at it um, into the league in 03. They did not – their first baseball season was in 06. They for 05-06. Um, which
0: 03 was when they won the national championship. Yes, right? which yeah. was um, – I'm sorry if I stepped on. No, your
1: no, no, no. This, this great. This, um. So yeah, they were at it at the height of their program. So we was yeah. thinking like, oh wow, we're adding Rice. This is like the best program in the country. They're coming to Commerce USA, and at that point, USM's program was on the rise because we had just hosted uh, for the first time ever. So a lot of excitement around the program. And then when you added Rice, that kind of took that up a level. Just like yeah, we're adding you know the best program in college baseball, defending the national championship defending national champions to our league. This is really going to elevate our conference and going to elevate um, our program because of that. So anyways, our, the first series with Rice, they were number, we played them in 06 at Reckling. Uh, we were swept, and none of the games were really that close. That Rice was number one in the country that year. Um, and then they came back and beat us uh, in the conference semifinals that year, which was also in Reckling. So they went 4-0 um, against us um, in 06. And uh, that was Rice. Rice's first three years, they went to um, first three years in the conference. They went to Omaha, so they were kind of like the Gonzaga, while we were kind of like the St. Marys. Like they were the national power, and we were the good program. you know, we would nip up and beat them every now and then, but we weren't, you know, we weren't on their level at that point in the early days. And then 07, they came to Hattiesburg, and uh, they took two out of three. We beat them pretty good on Friday, and then they came back and beat us, I think, five to three on um, Saturday, and then they came back and really. Took it to us on Sunday to win two out of three, and then 08. So 08. This is a series that people really don't uh kind of remember. But this was, I mean, at the time it was probably a top three moment, um and like Southern Miss baseball history. So Rice was at that point they had not lost a Conference USA weekend series. They the, their first three years, like I said, they had been to Omaha. They went to Omaha their first three years in the. Um, in CUSA, and they played 24 regular season series, and they won 23 of them. They went 65 and seven in their first uh, three years in the regular season. With and mm. um, but anyways, USM went to Reckling and took two out of three from a top 10 rise team. Ended up going to Omaha. Uh, Barry Bowden. That was a game where he went eight and two thirds. Um, he, he struck out 10. Uh, only gave up uh, three hits. He didn't give up any runs. It was that game where Trey Sutton had a home run in the first inning, and that was the only run score in the entire game. He went one nothing on Friday. And they came back and um, took it to us on Saturday. Then we came back and beat them 8-7 on Sunday. Tyler Kahn, uh, I think, struck out Chad Mazingo, mm. uh, with man on third. Uh, and that was a huge, huge series win because the Rice had not lost, like I was saying, they had not lost a conference series dating back to the Whack. I mean, 2005 uh, was the last time they lost a, a league series. So, yeah. So, so they, they went 65-7, like I was saying, their first th- three seasons in the regular season. Three of those losses were to USM. So we were the only program that could even really come close to even giving them any kind of resistance at all because uh, they were just kind of sweeping everybody at that time. And then, So in 09, they took two out of three in Hattiesburg. They won the first two. Um, they scored a uh, run in there in the ninth, top of the ninth on Friday um, to beat us. And then we came back Sunday, scored three um, in the bottom of the ninth to get a big, but to just salvage a game. We won five to four, I think. Um, salvage a game there on. Sunday and then the championship game that was uh Rice played us in the conference championship game that year um and it was eight to six and that was the game they'd gone up four nothing I think Anthony Rendon had a home run early this was the game it was at 10 a.m. Yep, uh because Corky smartly decided to move up the game because there was rain later in the day and it did rain really hard that day I remember so it was a 10 a.m. uh first pitch that day but it was four nothing and then Tyler Kalen cleared the bases with a triple to make it four three and then we Cut it to four to, or we tied it four to four, and then it was six to six. Rice might have put two in the bottom of the eighth, and then they brought in Ryan Barry, who was their great ace. He uh, came back um, to close it out on uh, that in the ninth inning. They won eight to six, and at that time we thought that was going to be the it, it, it for the season. Uh, and then obviously, you know, USM was you know one of the last teams in that year we went to Omaha, but uh, that was really heartbreaking for about twenty four hours until we got the word that uh, we were in the tournament. Uh, and then twenty ten. I'm going to try to move a little quicker here, but. 2010, Rice took two out of three from us. Uh, that was a series where USM had got on a roll. We had won a bunch of games in a row to get back in the at-large hunt. Then we went to Reckling, um, lost two out of three, which kind of ended our at-large chances. Uh, we it was a doubleheader Saturday split. Um, split Saturday won the first game, lost that game, and then the so the third the Sunday game at um, that year. It was probably one of the crazier games in Southern Miss baseball history, where we were up 12 to two. Um, heading to the bottom of the third. And then Rice came back and scored like seven runs in the bottom of the third. And then they came back and won 20. Rice came back and won 21 to 14. Uh, Anthony Rendon hit two home runs. B.A. Volma two, hit two home runs. So it was a slugger. It was a slugfest. But, um, yeah, that was kind of the end of our at-large chances. But then we came back and beat them. Um, conference championship that year yep. at uh, Cougar Field. Scott Copeland, I believe, came in relief to win that. And USM got the automatic bid. Uh, So you got a little bit of payback from that 2009 championship and then the 2010 regular season series. Uh, The 2011, so 2011 was a huge series because that was, it was basically a de facto championship, regular season championship. We were a game ahead, but if Rice won two out of three, they would have had the tiebreaker, which is what happened. Rice won the first two games. USM came back and uh, won on that Saturday because it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, last week of the year. So USM did have a share, but Rice had the tiebreaker, they had the one seat, so they kind of, I uh, had the claim there, and then 2012, he lost two out of three. Um, we, we won the first game, It came back and beat a Saturday, and then we had a chance to win on Sunday. I think and man, I had a, like bases were loaded with two outs. We were down by two runs or something, maybe in the seventh or eighth. And um, I remember John Cox was like a there was like a three two count, the bases were loaded, and he called it a walk. But then he's oh no, they're gonna save us a strikeout. No, <laughs> so that was I oh, held a grudge against John Cox for Law because That's of that. That's yeah. fair. Um, but yeah, Rice took two out of three from from us that year and then we, we played them that year actually in those was the uh, the pool play and at that point USM had already been eliminated Rice had already punched their ticket to the championship game but USM did win that kind of in the year on a good note I think Rice lost to UAB that next day in the uh, in the championship but uh 2013 2014 they took two out of three from us both of those both of those years it was weird squad scheduling quirk cuz realignment we got both of those in Hattiesburg. And, but in 2013 they did beat us in that conference um championship game at Reckling that USM needed to um to win to get in, and uh, they walked us off there next extra inning. So that was, that was a heartbreaker for sure there in 2013. Uh, and then in 2015, uh, that was the year – or, yeah, we lost two out of three that year. And they had won on Friday, and then that was the year <laughs> on Saturday where they put like – they Bryce put 10 runs up on us in the first inning, uh, which was pretty embarrassing. But then we came back, one on Big Mac Sunday to salvage a game. Uh, and then 2016, so 2016, I feel like we're getting in kind of modern time series. That was the uh, honestly the series that really put US and baseball back on the map a little bit because, you know, we'd been in that rut from 2012 to 2015. But it was serious, series, I guess, for first place uh, in the league or I don't know, maybe not first place because F- FAU was in there too, but it was a huge series. Mm-hmm. Um, Rice had come in rank, and that was uh, we won 2-1. to one. I believe two to one or three to two, maybe on on Friday. Court Cockrell pitched well. I think Nick Salen came in, uh, got one of those multi inning saves that uh, he was famous for. Um, but yeah, you you won that on Friday, and then Saturday was the Eagle Fest games, huge crowd, and Rice ended up beating us, uh, by one run and that. Glenn Otto came in and shut the door on us in the ninth, and then Sunday you had the game. Daniel Keating hit the bloop single, um, to win uh, two to one. And that was, uh, yeah, like I said, that was the game that really got you back on track as a program where you beat a top 25 Rice team at home. It really solidified your, your tournament um, resume and put us in the mix for host at that point. Um, so, yeah, that that was a great moment. I know everybody kind of thinks we're going to get into that 2016 championship game, but that was a great um, great series win. That was our first series win since 08 against Rice uh, that year. So, yeah, then obviously 2016, the double relay, uh, I think everybody – that's kind of the first game that comes to everybody's mind um, with this series, is the double relay. Uh, Chucky Robinson spikes the baseball there at the end. Ugh. And, um, yeah, you, you get, you know, at that point you were already in the tournament, but that was kind of, that clinched it officially. Uh, it first tournament birth since 2011. And that also ended Rice's 20. They had won 20 consecutive conference championships, either regular season or tournament, to that end of that. And then, um, so, yeah, that, that was one of the, you know, great moments in Southern Miss baseball history. 2017, you go to Reckling, you win uh, big on Friday, lose big on Saturday, then you come back, and uh, you win big on Sunday. That was the game where um, they started at Glen Otto, who, who was their great closer in that game. They really needed to win, Rice was. And uh, anyways, that was the game where Gidry hit the grand slam to put us up. Um, that really solidified him in the lineup, because at that point they were still kind of platooning him and Cooper, and uh, Gidry hit the grand slam off of Glen Otto in the third or fourth inning to uh, put us up. And uh, he was kind of in the lineup for the rest of the year. After that, I mean, really for the rest of his career. So that really, yeah. um, yeah. really made Gidry, um, kind of a um, big figure in the program at that point. But, um, and then twenty, but then in 2017, they beat us that year in the uh, in the conference championship. Uh, they walked us off there, and I guess it was the ninth inning. I don't, or maybe might have been the tenth. It might have been extra innings. Can't remember for sure. But that got Rice in to continue their regional streak because uh, they needed to win that to get in. Um, and then 2018, um, 2018, that was the, yeah, we won two out of three Salem pitch ball that Friday. And then Saturday was the game, the Luke Reynolds, uh, Kurt Gibson game where he came off cause he had the, um, well, whatever the injury was that he had, it was like an ankle or a leg injury and he came in and pinch hit and we were down seven to two with two outs and it was like the bases were loaded. And then we had a ball, the right fielder couldn't see it in the sun to clear the base and make it 75, seven to five. And then. That was when Reynolds came up and um, I think it was two RBI, a single. It would have been a double if he uh, wasn't hurt. But, yeah, and then you end up winning ball or hit a a um, a single on the right to win it, 8-7 extra. And that was a crazy game. And then you lost on Sunday, but you did win two out of three. And then 2019, you lost two out of three there, which was disappointing because they weren't good. And we were kind of on the bubble at that point uh, where we got to Canarino a little bit, and then they came back and beat us Saturday and Sunday. But then in the conference tournament – yeah, that crazy game where Fred Franklin beat out, or he kind of ran into the uh, the pitcher for Rice, and then Storm Cooper had the big um, double to, um, it, or not to tie the game. I think Montenegro might have scored a on a uh, on a wild pitch to tie it there. But you were down I guess, three, was it, three runs there in the ninth? And um, man, that if we lose that game, it's hard to see us coming out of the losers bracket. Um, in that tournament, so that was kind of the crazy game with Storm Cooper, Fred Franklin, and then Warner hit the home run, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, to win it there. Um, see, so yeah, and then and then you come back and no hit him. Uh, that's that was the Gabe Shepard game where Gabe Shepard was so great on that Saturday morning in, in, Biloxi. Um, the combined no hitter where he went maybe like seven and a third, and then Stanley and Carroll also came in relief. It was a combined no hitter, and the punched your uh your ticket there to the championship game. And then twenty twenty one, um. You take three out of four, Rice, they beat us pretty good on uh, that first game. It was kind of rainy, a little misty. Uh, Stanley, he didn't have his um best stuff that game. But then you come back and win the next three games easily. And, uh, but yeah, so this is the 16th So the previous 15 series against Rice. Rice has won 10, USM has won five. But there's only been one sweep. It was that sweep in 2006, the very first series uh, that these two teams have ever played. Um, when Rice was number one. So it's been a competitive series, and it's just kind of crazy to think all these battles, this is gonna, probably going to be the last one for a while. So,
0: Yeah, like I said, it's a little sad. And also it's really impressive that you <laughs> you remember all of that. Uh, But brought back some good memories and some bad ones too. I mean, just, just yeah, I mean, Anthony Rendon, Diego Seastrunk, <laughs> guys like that, Michael Rattery, Glenn Otto, Duplantier, just, yeah, there's just an endless list of so many really, really good baseball players at Rice, and I think I I had nightmares about Wayne Graham when I was a you know 15-year-old kid, and it was just one of those, you always looked at that weekend on the schedule, and it felt near impossible to win that series, at, especially in the late 2000s, early 2010s, uh, because they were so, so good, and when you did win some of those series, it was... It was a whole lot of fun, and it felt like a huge accomplishment, which it was because that was such a stellar baseball program. I really hope that they can get back to being competitive and relevant at some point uh, because they've, they've got a long way to go. But, yeah, I I, uh, I did not realize there was only one sweep in the entire series. That's, that's pretty interesting, and would love to – Get our own sweep. Yeah, <laughs> it would be a great way to to send them off, and that would be a that would be a fun non conference series down the road at some point, point. Um, and hopefully they can can get back to being uh, competitive. But yeah, a lot of great memories, a lot of bad ones against the Rice Owls of baseball.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering. I guess I don't, I don't know. They'd have to get back in the top fifty, like a top fifty type program for us to schedule them. Because I don't think at this point where USM is, I, you can't really justify yeah. scheduling like a home and home series with the number one eighty you know, RPI sure. team, but, um, and you know, I think they like to play those, you know, like the, they like playing the Astros tournament. They like to you know, play Texas and Texas tech. So I don't know if it'll work out, but, um, yeah, it, it is crazy to think about. Cause I mean, that, like you said, that was the series that you circled every year was right. It was,
0: so. it certainly was. And we'll get one last ride. And I'm glad it's at Pete Taylor park this weekend, Friday, Saturday and Sunday again. So we will, uh, we'll see you out there at the Pete. Pat, you want to look quickly around what happened to the league this week?
1: Yeah, so LaTeX took two to three at Marshall, so you gained a game on La Tech. So I mean, you're, you have a two-game lead on LaTeX, but really two and a half because you have the tiebreaker. The MTSU took two to three at Charlotte. Charlotte's still struggling a little bit. Uh, ODU took two and three. At UAB ODU was in the seventies RPI now. They had a very good week. Yeah, so they, they won a game at UVA mm-hmm. and then they took two to three at UAB. Uh, so they're in the seventies RPI. So if they can go on a run here, um, they could maybe get in the at-large mix. But sure. uh, UTSA took two to three at Rice. Uh, FAU and uh, FAU swept uh, Western Kentucky. And then uh, non-con UNA was swept at home by Lipscomb. Jacksonville State uh, took a two out of three against Bellarmine. ULO took two out of three against ULM, and then DBU lost two out of three at Bradley. Those, yeah, uh, not a great weekend for those guys. But then not a whole lot of big midweek games. UAB uh, going to Alabama. Uh, UTSA is going to Texas State. So just kind of keep an eye on those two. But um, on the weekend, Conference USA. FAU is at ODU, Marshall's at WKU, UAB is at Charlotte, FIU is at UTSA, and MTSU is at La Tech. So FAU and ODU, I think that's kind of clearly uh, best series um, in the conference or in the conference weekend uh, coming up. But then uh, North Al uh, non-con, North is going to Eastern Kentucky. Jacksonville State hosts Lipscomb. U L O goes to Georgia State. That's a big series. Both both those teams are kind of oh, top yeah. fifty. I know Georgia State's top forty RPI, and then DBU hosts Southern Illinois. So that's uh, your non-conference and conference uh, series update.
0: Yeah, and you're really pulling for – I mean, ULL is one of those borderline top 50 teams, so we need them to to go on a run and really solidify uh, two more of those uh, top 50 wins. That'd be a big deal. Not a lot to add on that. Uh, you want to run into these questions? Yeah. Well, we got a, a lot of questions. I, don't, I really didn't expect to get this many uh, questions on Twitter, but we're going to try – to hit all of them, we're in about forty-five minutes right now, so we should have time to to hit all of these. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for interacting. We got some good ones this week. This is from John Patrick. These are all on Twitter, by the way, and I actually forgot to check the DM, so we might have a few. Yeah, that
1: more. one was from last week. We're gonna answer it. The first one,
0: yeah. And this is, um, or I guess this was two weeks ago. This was the weeks. one right, right. that we missed. Uh, but from John Patrick, he says, barring a total collapse down. Two arms. If USM host is Mississippi State in the bracket, hopefully yeah. I'm reading that right.
1: Yeah. So, um, well, right now, so Ole Miss is five and ten in the SEC, which is last. Which means if you are last, in, if you do not make it to Hoover, you do not make the NCAA tournament. Well, let
0: me. Let me. There's a second part of this question, okay. and um, I think we, you can kind of answer both of them. Um, uh, the second part of the question is, and given the prowess of Ole Miss's roster, should Golden Eagle Faith will be rooting for? Mississippi State to not be host-worthy material at season's end?
1: Well, I, mean, I don't want to be disrespectful to Ole Miss because I feel like, you know, who knows, maybe they'll sneak up on a regional and, you know, beat us or something after I say this. <laughs> yeah. um, but, I mean, I, this feels like the worst Ole Miss roster that I can remember because, I mean, they don't have a, um, I mean, a set rotation. I mean, they're basically just going to match up um, all weekend based on the mm-hmm. opponent. Yeah. Um, and they they certainly have some good hitters, but, I mean, their pitching is, is not that great. Um, I mean, they've and they have uh, was a guy from North, Dylan DeLucia is basically their ace at this point. He's, I mean, he's not bad, but he's like, he's just kind of a decent Juco type arm. Uh, and he's their, you know, Friday guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, Ole Miss as a three seed would not scare me that much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, they're still, I mean, it's Ole Miss, they recruit really well. Oh, yeah. They're always going to have good players, but... Uh, they wouldn't scare me as much. I mean, st- now we're going to get into state. State would scare me just because of the, um, you know, the shell shock from twenty seventeen. Um, but if you look at both of those teams, so Ole Miss is five and ten, in the SEC. State is six and nine, but their RPI is in the eighties. So what I am rooting for Ole Miss to sweep State this weekend because that would put State two games in last, which would put them in a little bit of a rut. So I'm thinking, but Ole Miss, let's say they sweep State, well, maybe that would get them back in the hunt to get in at large, but they would still have to, um, they still have to go to Arkansas and LSU, which is probably like two and four, one and five. And if they finish, you know, 13 and 17 and the SEC, I don't think they're going to get in. Um, so I don't, even if Ole Miss has a good weekend, let's say they take two out of three or even sweep state. I, I think it's probably more likely than not that they don't get in. Um, whereas, uh, a state, state schedule a little more manageable. Um, they they go to Missouri, but it's on the road. And then they they get Florida at home. Then uh, they go to uh, A&M. Um, and then they go to um, – uh, or they get Tennessee at home. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think for either of those teams, they got to get the 14 wins in the conference. 14 and 16 put them on the bubble. 13 and 17, I do not think that would get either of those teams in, especially State with their RPI. But if either of those teams finish um, – Last place in the SEC West that would pretty much eliminate them. Now, if State does get in, would they be in Hattiesburg? I think they would, just because yeah. you know I'm kind of a nihilist about these things and uh, you know eat Arby's and all that. Uh, just think, <laughs> John John Cohen, he'd be just whatever, loving to put State in the USM Hattiesburg regional. Yeah. Um, but those you know those teams have a little bit ways to go uh, in terms of just getting in. And um, so yeah,
0: great question, John Patrick. Hopefully we or Patrick answered that to, to your satisfaction. I think he probably did. This is from Brick. Which future Conference USA series presents a trap for a top 10 team? I'm assuming he is referring to Southern Miss. This scenario has UAB trap series all over it. And I will agree with that. I think that I think if you you look the rest of the schedule. That's probably the one that stands out. And that's not to say. We've mentioned it a few times. UAB is really taking a jump this year. That as of now, that is a top 100 RPI team, and it is on the road. And so that is that's uh, that's going to be a tough three games. Old Dominion, you get them in Hattiesburg, and and so that's a little less of a, a trap series. And uh, like Patrick said, they they had a good week, so they're kind of surging at the right time. So yeah, UAB is. Uh, I think is the clear answer. Pat, anything else? To yeah, on?
1: I would maybe see Old Dominion because they can really swing it. And uh, they forget the guy's name, but they have a, like, had a freshman that's come out of nowhere, like a lefty that's been a pretty good ace for them. And they also have Noah Dean, who's maybe the best closer yes. in college baseball. Yes. Um, if he's not the best, he's one of them. Yep. Um, so, yeah, Old Dominion scares me a little bit just because they have really good offense, a couple of good pitchers. But UAB is always scary, just because we always go back to that 2011 football game. So, yeah, UAB, um, and then I mean, look, even UTSA is like top 50, around top 50. So, um, sure, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and I, yeah, the Old Dominion series less of a trap series, maybe. Right, I, hopefully, right. you would not have to, you know, uh, hopefully, you would not have to have any help getting up for that, because uh, that's a big, that's kind of your biggest comfort series left on the on the schedules, uh, the way I see it. This is from Bragg. How much longer does our offense need to keep clicking before we make the long, long time coming transition to the Southern Miss Super Bats? So I like the the play on words to the super Superback. You uh, see that
1: logo he had like was one of those. Kind I know of like it was cool. St. Louis Cardinals type. Yeah, yeah.
0: some T-shirts out of that. Bragg. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've we've talked about the offense, but. How would you answer that question? I'll let you hit it first. Yeah, I
1: mean, I guess with the offense, the thing I'm kind of concerned about is you got to get Gabe and Danny going because those guys, you know, those were two year more proven hitters. I mean, probably your two most proven hitters coming the year. And those are guys at the bottom of the lineup in OPS. So I think for the lineup to take the next step, those guys are going to have to get going. And uh, so hoping we can see that um, some kind of positive progression. Uh, really come in toward the end of the year, and they just get really hot, and that'll you know make the lineup really good. So. Yeah,
0: which has happened before. Yeah, and I and I think name or specifically for those two guys, it's taking pitches and and getting deep in counts. You don't see Gabe doing that a whole lot, and when he's really good, which has been you know the vast majority of his career, he's able to work counts and get the pitches he likes, and he's just kind of going up there hacking and and just looks a little antsy. I don't know. I mean, he was kind of already doing it before he got hurt. And so you hope he can make that shift and approach to to being back uh, to the way we're, we're used to seeing Gabe. And obviously, Danny is, he's, he's had some really big swings this year, but you can hope, you would hope to uh, see it with a little more consistency. I think that'd be a big, big boost for the lineup. This is from Attack Eagles is hosting for sure. And can we be a national seed?
1: Uh, no, I don't think hosting is for sure cuz we, no, <laughs> we talked about we talked about the needs report last week. It says you need to get to 42 43 wins and I mean, it is so you went 4 and 0, so now I mean, I said last week we need to go 19 to 5. So now you're at a point where you can just go 15 and 5, which is, I mean that means you're going to win 75% of your games, which is doable. Um, but it's certainly not a given. I mean, nope. if, you could easily lo- I mean, you could lose like we talked about UAB has snuck up on us in the past. Um Old Dominion's not going to be a total cakewalk, and then at that point you're you really going to have to play well if you lose one of those series. So, mm-hmm. um, it's I would it's likely I would say probably 75% chance. It's a great spot to yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, you still got to win the games. And uh, as far as the national seed, um, and just called, if people hadn't listened to the part about the needs report, the needs report it tells you how many games you need to win to reach a certain threshold in the RPI, and it said USM had to get to about 42 or 43 wins to get in the top 16. Uh, which would put US in a very good position to get a host. But uh as far as national seats though so the news report was thinking uh forty-five or so wins. So that would so you'd have to go like seventeen and three or uh eight 17 and three, 18 and two the rest of the way. Um uh, which could happen if you you know you really get it going. Yeah. Um you keep winning games. Um but I mean right now I would not say we have a national I say I would say we have a host resume, 13 RPI you know, five and five, top fifty, nine and six, top hundred. That's a you know easy host resume, but I wouldn't say that's a national seed resume at this point. So you would have right. to get that RPI top ten, I would say, and uh, get a couple more of those top fifty wins. Um, like you're saying, those teams in the top forty to sixty, got to get those teams uh, up there. But yeah, I would say posting um, good good uh, position at this point, uh, national seed. Uh, you, you got some. Um, I mean, still have work on hosting, obviously, but national seed, you would really take a lot of things, um, while it's possible, um, take a lot of things to go well uh, for that to happen.
0: Yeah, and a factor, too, is, like we've talked about, Conference USA is down this year, and so the margin, you're kind of on the razor's edge a little bit. I mean, it, all it takes is really one bad weekend for to to knock you out, I think, almost completely out of a national seed, so you lose two out of three to Rice this weekend, um, and, you know, uh, you're... The margin for hosting is is uh, fairly thin as well. But like you said, if you, if you play the way that you have been playing uh, the rest of the way, you feel pretty good about a host spot. So, um,
1: But as, just talking about RPI and landmines and CSA being down, after the Southeastern game next week, every one of your games is against top 100 opponents. Um, MTSU is like their 500, but they played all four of their uh, weekend series um, non-conference out of, outside of Murfreesboro which, um you know, they'll help their RPI because they have not played a whole lot of home games. Yeah. And the RPI is weighted for neutral and away games. um So even, like, kind of average teams like MTSU, they have a good RPI just because the way they schedule their non-conference. So um there are some RPI opportunities. Like we said, would be top 100. So, yeah, UTSA or um UAB, Old Dominion, UTSA, and um, Middletons here are all top 100, plus Ole Miss South and, um yeah, Ole Miss and South. So, yeah, um starting, you know, next weekend will be all top 100 opponent. Top 100 opponents, so not quite the landmines you've had the past couple of weeks.
0: Sure. Next two questions are from Attack Eagles as well. Who is your MVP at this point in the season? I'm going to say Slade Wilkes.
1: I'm going to say Tanner Hall just because he's, he's kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, not quite nowhere, but we kind of thought like maybe he's a Sunday-type starter, and he's been at that front of the rotation, been pretty dominant. Yeah. Um. So just kind of based on expectations – um versus results i would say um yeah because we, we talked about you know you kind of had um uh, coming in we thought well maybe Waldrup's the only guy that can um you know has the kind of swing and miss type stuff to rack up a bunch of strikeouts and you know really hold a good line of a bay but now you have hall and you've had riggins at times i mean riggins had the um pitch well against dbu but I i would say um i would say hall just based on um his numbers thus far,
0: yeah, that's a good answer. I, I, the reason I say Slade Wilkes is because you did not meet the expectations last year, and you had a lot of production to make up after losing, you know, the nation's RBI leader and Reed Trimble. And you got a lot, a big chunk of that production made up uh, with Slade Wilkes, and his is kind of rising to those expectations. He's got the power numbers, and he's also hit for average, too. And so, really solidifies the lineup in a lot of ways. We talked about those other two guys who. Uh, you, you know, need to kind of get out of those slumps. But I think having Slade Wilkes as is, is sort of a cornerstone has, has uh, I don't want to say transformed the lineup, but is has made it uh, much better as uh, maybe we would have expected after losing a guy like Reed Trimble. Next question from Attack Eagles, last one. What is your perfect regional and super regional? I think we maybe touched on the regional one. Yeah. I haven't gotten the super regional one yet.
1: Uh, well, I guess like let's say we aren't a national seed, and then the national seed loses theirs, and we win our regional, and then we get a super in Hattiesburg. Uh, yeah. that'd be fun. I don't know who that'd be. Who'd you play? Because you know, it's not the super regionals aren't based on geography now; they're based on seeding, so mm-hmm. it could be anybody. Um, uh, but yeah, any any kind of super regional mm-hmm. at uh in Hattiesburg, I
0: would say. Yeah, give me. I I would like a rematch with Dallas Baptist in Hattiesburg. Oh, that'd be fun. It, so yeah. What whatever scenario gets us to play Dallas Baptist. Yes. again. I feel like that that was not a good re- representation of this team that weekend. And it's kind of the only dark spot on yeah. <laughs> on your results to this point. Alright, Jonathan says Ben and Pat is the sky falling. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Next question. Um Will says is this the best Southern Miss team in program history?
1: Maybe. I mean, it's you know, you kind of look at uh 2017, 2003, yeah. uh, you can put like 2004, maybe a little bit behind that. Um, I it, thought
0: that was a great discussion of 2017 versus 2022 in a weekend series. Yeah. That would be really fun to it see. It
1: would. Yeah, so I, I think, um, and I guess in terms of draft talent, um, you kind of think like that. 2017 team had, um am trying to think, so the first two days they had, it, it, obviously Sandler wasn't drafted until the next year, but you had. Um, like four guys that were eventually taken on the first two days of the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, this team might have six. Event uh, So I think Waldrop's going to be probably day one next year. I think Wilks and Peyto are either day one or day two. I think Tanner Hall can be um, uh, a, a day two type guy. And then uh, Rodgers and Stewart, we'll get into those because that was a question we had about return production. But I, I just saw something. Uh they saw them on a draft list, so they could be a take like a day two pick. So in terms of like guys drafting in the first two days of the draft, I think this team might be uh unprecedented um in that respect. So yeah,
0: it's it's yep. very possible.
1: We'll sell the next uh, month or so guys now. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm with you. And I, I think it's it's kind of yet to be determined. Uh, I think what made the twenty seventeen team so good, obviously all that talent, but they really put it together at the end of the year and obviously, you know, the things did not go on the well in the regional but that that was a team that really should have won that regional and I think would have given LSU a lot of trouble in that super regional as well so I think that's uh, kind of yet to be determined but it's it's certainly already in the discussion I would say Nate asks will the Ole Miss game at the Pete be the top attended game I'm yeah. assuming in school history is what he means
1: yeah that, uh, I would think and then he also says that the uh, mentioned that the Braves trophy will be. That's right. That's right. So that'll also pull out, you know, people that don't even really care about USM or Ole Miss, just people that want to see the Braves trophy. Yeah. So I think that's a game could see six thousand, but I would, I would think. I mean, especially if USM's like top five at that point, oh, like yeah. a top, a top five USM against Ole Miss with a Braves trophy, I mean, that's like you like mm-hmm. make it in a lab for like a high attendance game. That'd be <laughs> it. Right. So
0: Cloverleaf Malls says thoughts on how opponents are changing their rotation when facing the Golden Eagles. Charlotte started their closer before bringing in their Friday starter and FIU moved their Friday night pitcher to Sunday.
1: Yeah, so I, I think these teams they, may, they might just be wanting to try to find a way to get one game, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. um, yeah. I, I wasn't... And also, FIU, or at this past week, you didn't want to change up their uh, their schedule too much, because if they pitch, um Pridgen on Thursday, it would have been a one day less of rest, but I guess they were thinking, like, all right, well, Waldrop is at at that point. I guess, you know, Waldrop and Hall probably had similar numbers at that point. but They're thinking in terms of just, like, stuff. Like, their best stuff guy versus our best stuff guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then Charlotte, they had had some starting pitching problems, so trying to get an opener. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking, like, they might just try to be scraping away trying to get one win. uh, Because in terms of, like, conference standings, when you lose all three games, it was really, really killer. Yeah. So, um yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Rice does uh something similar, like we talked about that Matthew Linsky guy. I wonder if they'll bring him in as a like a as an opener for two or three innings and they turn it over to, you know, one of their starters out of relief. So I don't know. I'm gonna wait a couple more weeks to see if other teams do that.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's becoming a more common thing across baseball, especially in pro baseball, just the opener in general. But yeah, like you said, those are two those are two teams. Have been really shaky. The pitching staff, just in general, to this point. So that it could have been, you know, partially them trying to find the formula uh, for their weekend, and also like like Patrick said, just kind of trying to scrape one uh, win out of there. So we'll keep an eye on that. Woodshed King asks, uh, we've got let's see, four more questions. So, which of these are you most excited to never see again? Western Kentucky stream from a security camera, FIU's PA <laughs> announcer, or UTSA's bird bath? I'm going to say this this uh, Western Kentucky stream. That was pretty, pretty rough.
1: Yeah, I would say WKU. I, I feel like FIU, I didn't um, really hear their PA announcer in the past. I have. Uh, but he didn't really bother me that much um, like yeah. in previous series. And then UTSA's birdbath is just kind of fun. It's just kind of that. As the trial I've said before, it's the Tropicana Field of CUSA. <laughs> so it's just it's more of a, yeah. one of those fun oddities of college baseball than anything. But, yeah, WKU, I'd agree with that.
0: Well, and yeah, yeah and the the hope – is that you never have to watch a, a stream like like that again with any kind of regularity? we're kind of used to seeing that type of stuff in, in Conference USA. So um, you hopefully, they're hopefully kind of moving away from that. Hopefully, I never have to see that again. Did Southern Miss when Says go to Lenny's order.
1: Yeah. So, mm. um, mile high turkey, seven and a half inch on white with just mayonnaise, regular chips, um, lemonade or tea, and then chocolate chip cookie. So. Oh,
0: you went okay. I didn't think that far into it. I'm not. A, I'm not a huge Lenny's guy, but I'm a Italian. Is it the Italian Club? Um, Maybe. I'm just kind of a general. I'm kind of a a boring <laughs> sub sandwich guy. I love just just kind of the general Italian sub. That's what I get at Subway too. So that that might upset you a little bit. I'm sorry. Uh, here's a baseball question. How do you, this is from Did Southerners win as well. How do you rank the different baseball ranking publications by credibility, least credible to most credible? We'll leave Rob's rankings out of it that because that's okay, obviously so, the most credible.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, least credible. Well, I'm going to reverse this just because it's easy for me to do it. We're going to do most credible to yeah. least. So, I mean, the most credible is D1, just because, I mean, they have all the. I mean, you go back back in the day, I mean, you had all these guys were scattered across the different websites, man, like Kendall Rogers. He was at Yahoo for a little while. Then he went to Perfect Game. And then you had Mark Etheridge was at uh, Southeastern Baseball or SE Baseball. Then Aaron Fitt was Baseball America. Eric Sorensen was with, uh, I can't remember who he was with. But anyways, they got, I mean, they put all those, I mean, they put the all-star cast of college baseball writers into one website, uh, I guess, in 2015 with D1 Baseball. So they're the best. I mean, they just have the most in-depth content. Um, So, yeah, I would say they are um, the best, um, most credible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Behind them, Baseball America, Perfect Game uh, are kind of on the second tier. Maybe put Baseball America at second just because I like Ted Cahill, uh, the the college baseball guy there, and the Perfect Game. Perfect Game is more, uh, and I I really like Perfect Game uh, because they have great uh, high school uh, content, recruiting stuff. Uh, But that's kind of more their thing is the the high school level. Uh, But they do cover college a little bit. Um and then behind that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, those are really the only big three I can. Um, I mean, you have, I mean, you have like eleven point seven. Uh, but that's not. I mean, That's more of a podcast. More of a like, I guess, um, digital media, um, than, yeah, um, like publications. Um, but yeah, th- that's how I would answer that.
0: I agree. I mean, there, there's you know probably fifteen total college baseball nation. We talked about the collegiate baseball newspaper, <laughs> Big League Chew stuff. <laughs> So yeah, that I will. Uh, I'll just agree with that. Last question, and this is a good one from Austin: How much production (parentheses) pitching, fielding, and hitting are we likely to use from this team at season's end? Not a whole lot, Patrick.
1: No, I agree. Yeah. Um. So you I mean you'll lose Riggins? You'll lose. You'll lose Riggins and uh, Gabe Montenegro for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh. But beyond that, so I, I kind of teased it, but so Perfect Game had a um like a draft list and it had um, Stewart and um. Stewart and uh, Rodgers in the top 300. So I would bet those guys move on, go to the draft. Um, But, yeah, I mean, those are kind of the, you know, those four out of those four of Riggins, uh, Montenegro, um, Rodgers, and Stewart. I mean, who knows? Maybe some guys could transfer out. But you're going to bring back most of this team uh, next year, man. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Yeah, this team is really good. I think we could be better next year, uh, which Uh is kind of crazy to say. Yeah. Um, we'll see. But, yeah, you're not going to lose a lo- whole lot of production. Now, in 2024, I was actually going
0: through this in my head the other
1: day. 2024, you are going to have a very new team. In fact, oh, yes. Creel already kind of said, I listened to an interview, that t- after 2023, it would be kind of a, a lot of turnover. So, a 2024 could be a down year. But, I mean, you never know. But, yeah, um, after 2023, you're going to have another good year. Uh, 2024, a lot of turnover. But, um, so, yeah, not a whole lot I don't think you're going to lose in terms of production.
0: No, and you've got a you've got a lot of youth behind a lot of your starters as well that just have not seen the field because there's so much depth, and you could see those guys just continue to be buried for the next couple of years because you don't, like you said you don't lose a whole lot uh, really anywhere. Just you, there's not a big chunk taken out of your production on on any level of those three you mentioned: pitching, fielding, and hitting. So. Yeah, this is kind of, uh, you could almost say this is your Omaha window a little bit. Yeah, 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 I like that. Yeah, okay. Well, another big week for the Golden Eagles. Hopefully uh, we answered your questions to your satisfaction. I think we got all of them. There's a good chance I missed some on Twitter if we got any in our DMs. But we, as always, appreciate y'all asking questions and engaging and listening. Pat, anything else on a big week ahead? Uh, that was an all-baseball episode. I don't I don't know that we've done that yet.
1: Yeah, I think that's right because I was trying to think because basketball didn't add any transfers. Yeah. There wasn't much um, in football that I saw. So I was listening to Will Hall early, earlier today. He was on the uh, Underdog Dynasty podcast. Can, people can pull that up somewhere. Yeah. But, um, it was pretty good. He had some good tidbits in there. I mean, it's kind of this, a lot of stuff that people already heard, but um, yeah, heard people listen to that, so
0: well this has been another episode of buzzardry my name is ben mile that's patrick mcgee hope to have you with us next week this has been buzzardry thanks for listening and be sure to share and leave a review You can find us
1: on Twitter and Facebook at buzzardreepod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.